Hello, welcome to my radio station, otherwise known as the Lamone Radio. Today we're going to be reflecting on how the how some topics, these four topics that I'm going to talk about today, affected America and the new and how it changed the Great Depression, America, from the Great Depression, the New Deal. My first topic, by the way, is the Civilian Conservation Corps. I feel like it was different because it was a voluntary public work relief program that operated from 1933 to 1942 in the United States for unemployed and unmarried men. Originally for young men, ages 18 to 25, it was eventually expanded to ages 17 to 28 due to not having a lot of people. The CCC conserved and developed natural resources by such such activities as planting trees, building dams, and fighting forest fires. More than 2 million men served in the course before Congress abolished it in 1942. But anyway, they worked towards doing projects to restore the financial issue and stop the Great Depression. That's what the CCC did, and I feel like that's an important part that changed America, by giving people jobs from doing something good. My next thing that I thought changed America was the PBA, otherwise known as the Public Works um, Administration. Part of the New Deal of 1933, it was a large-scale public works construction agency in the United States headed by Secretary of the Interior, Harold L. Ickes. You don't really need to know him. It was created by the National Industrial Recovery Act in 1933 in response to the Great Depression. Basically, it was created it was created to stop the Great Depression and have something to uh, something to do or an organization to help stop it. It built large-scale public works such as dams, bridges, hospitals, and schools. So basically, like you make projects, you get money, which is restoring that, which is restoring people's financial issues. Now there's the banks they have to trust. The and the Works Programs Administration was the United States government agency created in 1935 to provide jobs for unemployed workers, which pretty much provided work, people with work right there. And it wasn't easy, I'm not going to say that for sure, because I'm not going to lie and sit here and say it was. Those people that were doing that were putting their lives on the line. But it was, it was a way to get their financial issue undusted, and I would say. So yeah. Next topic we're going to be talking about is the Dust Bowl. The Dust Bowl was a period of severe dust storms that greatly damaged the ecology and agriculture of the American and Canadian prairies during the 1930s. A severe drought and a failure to apply dryland farming methods to prevent the aeolian processes, wind erosion caused by the phenomenon. The drought came in three waves, 1934, 1936, and 1939-1940. to 1940. But some regions of the high plains experienced drought conditions for as many as eight years. Anyway, if the residents had learned, the residents had learned this before, but they learn now. Residents learn hard while surviving the dust bowl anyway. Once rain farm returned to sufficient levels, however, many farmers abandoned conservation. Some began depleting underground aquifers, basically, basically making like ponds and puddles and stuff to store the water in meals. Or, uh, the, uh, layers of earth or rock that contain water with modern irrigation systems. During the droughts in the 1950s and the 1970s, dust storms again damaged the Dust Bowl region. 
The federal government developed programs to aid the dust reduction. The some agencies, like the Soil Conservation Service, for instance, taught special methods of farming, such as contour plowing, limited tillage, and terracing, to protect and reduce erosion and protect the soil. So I feel like that was a good that was a good helper because it showed America how to how to keep their our food in check and our and our crops and our gardening and our agriculture, which we really need. Next topic, anyways, fireside chats. The result, according to economic historian William L. Silver, was a remarkable turnaround in the public's confidence. The, the, it was led by for, to, to, um, Franklin, Franklin Delano Roosevelt pretty much l- led them to to the, to the chat. The, the, well, he pretty much led the chat and told it, I'm sorry, and told it, and told it, and like talked about America's problems, pretty much putting it out there and making the uh, the public feel comfortable, and that's why he got so much stuff done in the first 100 days, and most presidents did in their whole term. And according to the economic historian William L. Silver, it was a remarkable turnaround in the public's confidence, pretty much restoring it. Thus, contempor- the contemporary pros- press confirms that the public recognized the implicit guarantee. And as a result, believe that the reopened banks would be safe, as the president explained in his first fireside chat. Within two weeks, more people returned more than half of the cash they had been hoarding. And the first locked trading day after the bank holiday marked the largest ever one-day percentage price increase. Yeah, and that that pretty much is and pretty much what that was trying to say, or what I'm trying to say is. Just by President Franklin Delano Roosevelt sitting down and explaining it with the country himself, it made them feel so comfortable that they feel comfortable enough to put their money that they've been hoarding and risking for their whole savings of their life back into the bank because he trusted his president to lead us to greatness. Hi guys. Well, this has been all my time on Lamone Radio. Lamone, out.